I think a lot of companies don't test. And unfortunately, I'm a big tester. And like, I say that because I'm in a culture now where I think I still need to do some more convincing that you have to do it. But like, let's try some different things too that we haven't done that might actually work. But let's use the data to support why we should be doing it. Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in-the-weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations, we handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hey leaders, welcome back. This is Ledge. We're heading into the holiday season and I am really thrilled to welcome Alexis Chigaris to the show. Alexis, please do your intro. I think I told you that I don't even try to represent all of your awesomeness myself. So please tell us all about you. Yeah, sounds great. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, again, I'm Alexis Chagoris. I'm the Director of Global Marketing Communications and Branding at Insono right now, which is an IT services shop. You know, we really help IT leaders help manage their infrastructures, really um, migrate to the cloud, which is such a huge topic, as we all know today, as we're managing several different applications. I've had a very roundabout career. I would say I started out in the agency world, which I think gave me the best foundation of being a marketing leader to really understand the importance of how to build a strategy from A to Z. Obviously have been very ingrained in digital marketing, which is, you know, what we're all about these days. Not to say that print and direct communications don't still come into play, but they're, you know, it's just really finding out the right marketing mix. So obviously spent a lot of time doing that and then um, moved into technology, which is really where I've been focused now. And also, you know, I think what really stands me out, which I know we'll talk about too, was I actually was a seller for a few years, which really makes me stand apart from a marketer, which I I really do get on my soapbox and tell people this because the the alignment from a marketing and sales perspective is so huge, but I just don't think a lot of marketers truly understand what it's like to be in a seller's shoes per se. And, you know, we talk about pipeline, a lot of things we're going to talk about, like, how do we fill the funnel? But I've actually had to do that myself. So I think, you know, again, roundabout marketing experience, but with an emphasis on sales, which has really helped me succeed now being in the tech sector, because it is very much a sales driven culture. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously being typically on the bottom of funnel, as they say, I think a lot about marketing and and sales integration. And if not everybody has had the chance to sit in the seat of the other, I think it's almost like the kind of thing where we should implement boot camp, where, you know, you got to go be a legit brand marketer and deal with salespeople if you haven't. And on the other side, you have to go actually sit on calls with, with prospects and try to sell things if you haven't done that. Oh, for sure. I mean, I have to tell you, I that's like the first thing I ask when I come into a job is especially now in tech that where I've been concentrating my time is like, let me please 
understand what that's like. But again, like for me, I've had that experience at Oracle where I was technically a marketer, but everyone at Oracle has to sell. And I was just thrown into it. And like the first day I started there at a customer screaming at me on the phone and I'm like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? But it was the best experience to actually to understand like the, the behind the scenes that goes into closing a deal. But it truly, truly does help to understand the dynamics of customers. What are they really looking for and what keeps them up at night? And to be able to have that dialogue, which a lot of marketers struggle with, I think, too, because they, they don't see it from their perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's like you can I understand the marketing thing and I've gone through the exercise and, and like it makes a lot of sense to think about personas and targets, ideal customer profiles, you know, all those things like it's necessary when you come up with one unified set of messages that you try to put together that average persona, you know, Christopher CTO, and he wants this and, you know, and, and that makes sense, except that not one time will that average person show up on a sales call. And you you can feel that pulling of like, but I need to make things that's just for them. I understand why we need to have one message, but that's not what this person wants, because there is no average person. Oh, no way. Every deal is so different, at least the ones that I've seen and what people really focus on. And I think like what, you know, you know, again, like going back through my experience and what I've learned the most is really taking that firsthand data and having those conversations and understanding like what is really in the needs of your buyers? I mean, it's so interesting. I've spent so much time talking to like IT leaders, for example, which is where I'm at now, you know, more so on the services standpoint, but most recently too on the software side. And they really are so interested in like, give me data. And this was something too, like a lot of customers at Oracle were like, what's what's the ROI going to be for me using your solution or me, like what kind of scale, what kind of efficiency so that I can go back and sell it. But there is not a one size fits all persona with that either too, because you have several members of your buying committee that are influencing a decision. And it's so interesting to see how different conversations and different communications make an impact, whether it's a director at first and how that goes up the chain to like a CIO type of person too. So to your point, like there are multiple personas that are necessary, but what are the data points that like we can help go, it goes with the sellers too. Like what can we help to drive ROI for our customers and prospects? Yeah, absolutely. And you think about that, the way you can figure that out. Luckily, if you come into an already successful business, one way you can at least think about that is go, you know, well, we want to grow sales, we want to grow revenue, we, you know, want to do a rebrand, we want to up our game across the whole funnel, you can talk to existing customers and just, you know, simply do that cohort analysis, like, why did you or do you do business with us? You know, and you'd be shocked with the answers that you get that it isn't really about what you kind of thought it was about, you know, when you're making marketing without asking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so different. I know. I mean, it's it's so interesting to me, like the different conversations I've had, too, with people who are just focused on, like, just keep posting messages, keep doing things. Well, that that doesn't also that is also like not the best thing to do either. You know, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg thing. It's like you want to make this big spray, have all this messaging. But then when you actually talk to people who are in the buying decision, they just want like it's so interesting. I've actually had heads of IT tell me like give me like a video 
tell me what the ROI is going to be, like some sort of calculation, and that's it. Like, it, it, I just feel like we as marketers struggle too. Like, we have to do a lot of stuff. And right. I'm also hearing that from sales a lot too, because they feel like more, more, <laughs> you know? Right. Bring me more leads. <laughs> Bring me better leads. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. But when you actually talk to a customer, you really understand like that isn't, they don't even see half of the stuff that you're, yeah. you're trying to get through. This is where like, you know, like something, one philosophy that tries to bridge the gap there is like, you know, ABM, right? Like oh yeah. Go like this. I am targeting a specific individual human at a specific individual account. I know their name. This is the, like, I want to go get them. Yes. You know, it's like fishing with intention, but that also doesn't keep the calendar full on the sales side. It's more like we're going to do everything we can across appropriate channels to engage that one person. We often will get drawn into thinking like, what's the false metric of sales is if I have some salespeople that aren't working on a bunch of different leads and the pipeline looks this or that way. It's like the antithesis of what you would actually want to do is personalize and try to reach the right person. But that's actually a lower volume, higher quality result. So it's, it's just like you can feel that organizations and leadership sometimes don't all measure the right stuff. Oh, yes, they definitely do not. And that's something that, you know, we've tried even like and me and my team and so teams I've been in the past, like, how do you standardize that? What are the most important things you should be looking at to really measure the effectiveness of what we're doing? Because it's hard. It's it really is. Because How do you evaluate? How do you pick a channel when you got more marketing communications channels than ever before? Now, you, you could spend all day spraying and, you know, shotgunning marketing. How do you how do you know which channels to use? I mean, that's what's so hard. It's not just one, first off. Um, I mean, you know, I, I have to tell you, I've spent a lot of time actually working on optimizing websites. And to me, I'm like, I also think that they are not like the most effective either because I, I, we don't even, you know, we, we're not really looking at who's coming to the site. So I think to your point, like ABM is huge because like there you're, you know, who's at, you're, you're targeting someone, you're looking at their results, but you're also looking at like, how is this particular, you know, marketing message, whether it be, you know, for us, we do a lot of white papers, the standard like B2B types of things like webinars, um, infographics, but like how, what, you know, are people converting on that? Like where, how many times have we had to hit them? You know, for us, it's also like return on ad spend is a huge measure that we're looking at as well. But, you know, one of the big things I've seen, and it goes back to our conversation too about research, it's like just general awareness. I just don't think like we have targeted lists of accounts, but I think there's a lot of un untapped opportunity too, especially if how people are searching for, for like, just like even just as simple as like, cloud native application services because that's something that we do and like making sure that we're actually hitting on that from a content perspective on our website in our ads especially from an abm perspective but it's like the intersection of how all of these things play together and actually looking at all those different metrics across it really does help. So, I mean, it's just so hard because you can you can talk about all these different metrics, but what is the most meaningful? I think it, it's really a combination and it's not just like general website visits. Like, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people ask me all the time, like, how many people are getting to the site this month? Who cares? 
Right. Are they converting? Are they going to a contact us? Are they contacting a salesperson? Where are they downloading? I mean, I'm sure you taught you hear about this too all the time. It's like one of the biggest debates that we have too is like whether to gate or undate ungate content. And I'm a big believer that sometimes you don't always need to gate it. And I've heard that, I, and I know not being a marketer, but I have heard this come up more and more and more that the you know the days of gating a white paper to get an email address are over it's so dumb mm. because you I mean we use so many different tools now to get those people's information <laughs> so why are we gating this no one wants to fill out a form anymore no one has any time so i wonder I if mean, people want to read white papers at all i mean i, I guess it, i guess there's i guess there are people that want to download white papers but i I'm not one of them. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, but I think that there's certain nuggets of information within the white paper. Again, that goes to my point of how when we're talking to our buyers, like they need that ROI, like why, why should we do this? This is going to save me like 30% of cost savings by working with you guys on hiring, having an internal team to do, you know, these transfer digital transformations for us. So it's like yeah. the proof points more that I don't yeah, think. Yeah, which is like sales that. enablement to me. Like that's middle of the funnel. I, I need to already have a conversation in order to know what things I need to prove. You know, you can't just throw it out there because it also doesn't sit on its own. So, I mean, it's a really challenging thing when you sell ethereal stuff. You know, if you look at like, I was just thinking about like, websites in general or branding in general for a a service like digital transformation strategic consulting you name it like what does that look like and how do you make it look different than somebody else in some kind of relevant metaphor it's really hard it's really hard because it's like what does it mean i mean it's so interesting to me like even because i'm really involved with like talking to to folks like a gartner analyst and whatnot and they're like you guys need to stop using the words digital transformation like it's like 10 years ago and i'm like i agree with you i mean digital transformation means so much it, it it's marketing speak, it's sales speak, it's technology speak, it's all these different things. And it's like, how do we not make ourselves sound like everyone else too? Yeah. I think that's But then you like also can't say like cloud thing, but... and, you know, on-prem and hybrid. And like, these are all like totally saturated things. But then if you don't use them, you're sort of like, well, how do I refer to the thing? <laughs> we suffer from an SEO perspective if we don't use them. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, it's crazy, So right? it's like, it is really hard. But I mean, for us, it's like, you know, how, you know, we're known for like have, working with really big brands and help them be more efficient and do these types of, you know, migrations and whatnot. And we partner with big companies like AWS and Microsoft um, to really as well help get, you know, get our name out there as well and be able to use those. Actually, those names help really help drive that awareness sure. piece for us as well. Yeah. But it is very broad. And I think it goes back to even the sales, you know, discussion we're having. It's a lot of it is relationships and like even just like even getting into like a brand and then starting a project and, and just building that trust. I've seen like us really catapult from a perspective of cross selling within once we're we're in an in a brand. What do you call that? Land and expand, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get that initial thing. I mean, everybody loves your proof points. No matter what business you are, proof point is great to get you in the door. But really what the you know you wanna do is get that foot in the door project, 
where you can do a really good job and then score some additional business. I mean, that's really all it's about. Oh yeah, exactly. I know. And it's just like getting, I mean, one of the big things too, and this should be no surprise to you or anyone else who's listening is around thought leadership. And for us, it's like, you know, I came in and I'm like, we need big people to be talking about us too, because that's the only way we're going to drive awareness or people going to understand who we are. Because again, and I feel like I do work for, I have worked for companies who just have an awareness problem altogether and like don't really understand what we do so the more we can have I mean, there's like do i know you exist and then there's do i think you can do things better than somebody else that i already knew existed you know and like it's it's hard you know like people talk about well i need more brand awareness and you know i i think that's true but i often hear that as sort of uh like at the wrong place at the right wrong time you know where it's like well You'd get more brand awareness if you focused on some laser targeted projects where then you could ask for network referrals. Also, you know, people don't become aware of your generic thing and just go, oh, good. You know, I was looking for a consulting company. You know, they want to be introduced to you. You need relationships. Yes, for sure. So it is like a lot of the big things that too, it is like build it, you know, through those relationships, de- delivering a lot of like case studies, you know, like those, and those I actually think are very much a lot more impactful than the white paper discussion we've had before too. But that's a struggle too, to get customers to, to speak on your to behalf. It, I, st- yeah. I mean, even at Oracle, like I would beg my customers. And they would be like, what are you going to do for me? Like, can you send me to our modern marketing conference in Vegas? Like if I do this, this quote for you. And I mean, but that's what they want, you know, and now it's, it's really harder because we're not going anywhere, but it's like, well, what can, what will you do for me to, to leverage my name on your website and like to do this, these video testimonials and whatnot. But it is, I mean, it's, it's really a lot of it is just word of mouth and, you know, it does go back to the seller too. And it's like, how can I as a marketer help support them by making sure that they're having the right information throughout that entire pipeline, like, and to make I mean, it as times, targeted as possible. Right. I mean, there's times like as a seller, you just need to ask for a favor oh, <laughs> and, yeah. you gotta, and you gotta phrase it that way too. You know, you just gotta like, listen, I need a favor. All right, yeah. I've been pretty cool to you. I got you a good deal. You know, now I need you to sit down and answer some questions for my marketing folks or for me, you know, because this this matters. Well, you know, uh, one of the things that I've seen now, and I think I'm seeing more companies do this, is actually building it into their contracts. Like, if you agree to sign up with us, you will do a case study or you will agree to potentially speak on our behalf. You know, all these little things. I've not seen that actually execute yet. There's been a lot of talk about it, but you know, I work very closely with legal because of how many contracts I deal with just with vendors and yeah, it takes months. <laughs> I would say usually we've, I've tried that at different instances once in a while, if there's a nice disposition to it, you can get them through, but almost invariably that one comes uh, back on red line. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> and, and I can get it, especially when it's the first relationship. Because they're not going to be like, wait a second, you want me to contractually agree to say nice things about you before I even know that you're good. Yeah. Oh, no. And so then you need an out. But if you're going to give an out on a testimonial, then what are you saying? Like, I'm not confident that I can't do it. You know, it's like the whole thing becomes this whirlwind. And I uh, I'd actually advise people don't bother because, you know, really what you want is to sign the deal, not worry about the downstream implications. If your team is amazing and does a good job, you're going to get the the unsolicited 
feedback, which is which is actually better for everybody. Oh so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of times that companies just say you can't use our logo, oh, you yes. can't use this or that. And so another advice is, you know, no matter who you are, what kind of company you are, if you're if you're trying to get that initial relationship, be very careful with those types of things because you'll be eager to take on that job. But maybe you priced it too low just to make sure you got the extra special logo that you actually can't use anyway. Yeah. And so you got to look at that stuff. And, you know, promotion value later is huge. But I've talked to so many companies like, yeah, we spent a year on our prototype with this company. It's great. It's working so good. But we can't tell anybody about it. Oh, yeah. I can't even tell you how many times because I manage our case studies as well. How many people like we want to use all these logos? No, we can't. A lot of them are anonymous, which is a hard yeah. too. You know, so you have to be like a global supply yes. chain leader with something, something, something. <laughs> and you're just like, oh. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. So what, what's a what's a marketing and sales team to do there? How, how do we how do we survive? I know that it's very challenging, but I think that honestly, um, you know, it goes back to relationship building, really what we're talking about here, because like what I've seen is you may not cross that hurdle initially, but it does take the sales rep, you know, really to, to help make it happen, because I've seen some sales reps turn that relationship around and be, you know, get us to use the logo. But me as a marketer, I think one of the big things, too, is like, building trust with the sales rep that I work with too, because it's kind of being that squeaky wheel and annoying them a little bit, but keeping on them that like, Hey, we need this stuff. Like, you know, we all want to have a record year from a sales perspective, but like as marketers, like what are the types of things that we should be doing? That's really going to help move the needle. And we need help with sales to get that because we don't have the foot in the door with the customer, (laughs) the salesperson does. Yeah. And that's that goes to like your organization strategy on how you, you know, does the initial salesperson who closes the deal end up managing that account? Like a vertical integration is is common in what you see, maybe sometimes agencies or consulting companies. There's also the other way where the horizontal might be where like the closer hands it over to the account manager and just kind of goes, I'm not talking about this anymore. So then marketing needs to talk to the account manager. And the account manager doesn't actually have the relationship unless the handoff was really, really good. So, you know, then Mark, sometimes the sales rep who closed it gets called back and says, hey, your company isn't doing so great. You know, you overpromised. And, and you know, you, no matter how you do it, there's human stuff there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to, I mean, I worked in customer success, which is what you're saying is the account manager is a lot of what people have to do from a tech, stand, you know, tech companies. And that is a very hard job. I mean, I have to tell you, I was doing the role of a salesperson and making the customer happy and whatnot. But now as in marketing, like because I've I've walked in those shoes, I feel like it's good, you know, back to, you know, always goes back to relationship building. But how can I help get what I need? Like a lot of the, the times we've have found other ways to to go back to get getting quotes, like even anonymous ones, but having the name behind like Gartner. They have a whole like peer insights, peer reviews section that we actually, I've worked with now twice and two employers uh, that I'm at now as a way to let, to get customers to write 
good things on our behalf to anonymize them a bit, I mean, they get incentivized too. So, um, so you look at it from that perspective and then we're able to use that information. I mean, and Gartner has to sign off on it, but so there's, it's different ways of being creative, so to speak, like when you can't actually use a name, I know there's just other tools that we can do. Um, one of the big tools that I used in a previous employer as well was um, G2. Uh, because like that too has so much power from a you know SEO standpoint as well. So if you can kind of find these different avenues to again it goes you have to work very closely with customer success account managers or whatnot if you know the rep is no longer involved too. So right, you're getting to that thing that I've discovered with other because I didn't know much about what what is marketing communications or Marcom now. You know, and it, it, it's really that like quarterback facilitator you got to talk to everybody and tie everything together and i i guess i wasn't aware of that role which is why we started you know reaching out for these types of interviews because that's that's just fascinating as an integrator standpoint Oh my God, it's huge. But I feel like I do everything, which I love because, you know, I think that I have insight into what, how everything is working, what types of communications are going out. But yeah, you do, you have to, you know, not be shy. And and believe me, like working with salespeople is hard. Like it keeps going back to that. And so are customer success. But, you know, you have to really try to forge that relationship and really, um, you know, again, we're all in it together at the end of the day. And that's why I do bring up my selling experience because I do understand that at the end of the day, if we don't have revenue, like we're, why else are we here? <laughs> to make the world a better place. You know, <laughs> and, and, and a lot of discussions too around, you know, obviously leads like to what we talked about earlier. Like, I mean, are we filling the pipeline? You know, where are things coming in? What, you know, what stage of the funnel, what things are working versus not working? Um, yeah, and- it's hard to look at any of those things and be like, no, 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 we shouldn't be doing that. You know, and like everybody's asking for something that they need that is like their perspective on the goal. And then how do you bring that all together, I think, is the really hard business question. We can bring you a bunch of leads, but are they qualified? And are they are they really people that actually have this need? Do they have timeliness? You know, what what is all that? Well, how would we know that other than having conversations with real customers and prospects? But how do you get conversations with customers and prospects unless you bring in conversations which are leads? You know, so it's the chicken and the egg momentum thing that I think people often forget about when they get mad at each other. You know, oh, oh my funnel. God, for sure. There's just a lot of things going on, you know, and it's really looking at that. And one of the big things I would say that, you know, in my current position is more around quality versus quantity, which I, I do think comes into play as well. Like someone who's, you know, some cold lead who's coming in and is just going to your contact us form doesn't really mean anything because they're probably just doing research. I mean, they could be doing research for who knows what, you know, <laughs> but how meaningful is it? I mean, again, it just takes a lot of process and time and to understand like who are the the accounts and industries. I mean, we're very vertical specific, especially going to next year, we've decided we're really going to focus on some certain verticals, which we know will make an impact then versus like just kind of being all over the place because you need that direction. And what I'm investing from a marketing communication standpoint is, I mean, I, I want more bottom of the funnel type of relevant content, not the 10 page white paper, but just like the quick infographic or something that is data driven that will help 
convert, you know, not, you know, to meet, not, not solely convert, but will help to facilitate that conversion. Just has to <laughs> communicate that one-to-one credibility. Yeah. I, I mean, that's all that people really care about. I mean, this, all this stuff, this time that we invest and in, I mean, the website's really important, but one of the big things just, I mean, being a marketing communications, everyone comes to me and is like, can we put this on the site? Can we put that on the site? No, we cannot because <laughs> I don't want the site to be a catch-all again. Like it needs, it's our front door of our organization so we need to have a presence but for me I'm like a lot you know it just should be the bare bones it's really about the con- the conversation that you're having with your rep and like what types of specific communications can we bring that are more relevant to you than just generic types of things yeah yeah absolutely and I mean I found in in b2b now is that the information is so overwhelming that a lot of times that initial contact form or outreach, if you get it, is probably just some intern who was told, find me six different firms in Chicago that do this and bring me a report. Yes. And uh, those, those calls are difficult for us in sales because you kind of like, I got to coddle this person who doesn't even know the vocabulary really. In, in order to make sure that he or she fills out the spreadsheet for boss who will not be named. I, know. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really difficult and you kind of go, oh, I hate these, but I have to be nice. Uh, but that's that's what's happening with people coming inbound now is, is that there's such an overwhelming amount of information that people are hiring. You know, executive decision makers are hiring essentially human filtering mechanisms to try to bring them a report. <laughs> oh, totally. I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's so interesting to see that, but that is what a lot, you know, the dire- where the direction is and where it's going. Yeah. How would you recommend people get to the conversation stage if, you know, like, and again, we're not talking about like, maybe I don't have major spend or budget, you know, what, how do you get to conversations where you at least have a chance? I mean, that is, it's really tough. That's a really hard question. I think that it is like, you know, we, unfortunately what I've seen in the past is it goes back to, it does start with cold calling or whatnot, but you know, even just having BDRs reach out, but what I've seen work really well are the types of BDRs that are leading a more strategic discussion and BDRs like business development reps, you know, I'm not, I know everywhere has a different acronym for them, but, um, but really being able to like understand the need that your client, that the prospect has and how can you deliver something more targeted? I've seen more generic types of conversations that don't go anywhere, but at least having that BDR qualify and getting a sales rep in sooner rather than later, I think is really super important. And it may be a complete waste of their time. But, you know, one of the things that I used to do working in, at Oracle was I was a sales consultant, which I what I would do is actually help salespeople have those conversations and like deliver market trends that sh- that also was able to translate into the inf- efficiency and ROI. I feel like I'm always saying the same things, but it's but that's what they want. Like let's not like beat around the bush, so to speak, but like why should I have the conversation with you? What is the need that you're going to fill? What type of value are you going to give me and make it more direct? You're totally right. I don't know if you've seen this like in the marketing seat, but I can tell you that like it often feels like Marketing got bored with the message, so they changed everything. But you kind of are just like as sales, but that's not like 
that's not based on any real feedback from a prospect or a customer. Like, please stop doing that. <laughs> like marketing needed something you. to do. Yeah. How many places I've been at where it's just like, let's just come up with a new message because we need to, it's been a year. Okay. But we haven't even tested it or we have, I mean, again, like we need data, but that's why it's so important to talk to people, like to talk to prospects and do one-on-one -on -one research. And again, it goes back to my agency days, but like you cannot develop a message without doing that first, that primary research. Nobody wants to pay for that though. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Believe me, I'm... <laughs> Just spend some money that. and fix it. <laughs> but you, but it, when it's done right, it works. It really does. Because I could tell you that I've worked on campaigns that have, you know, brand messaging that have, have done like hundreds of increases in ROI of ROI brand awareness because we did it right you know so I'm not quite there yet right now but I hope to be um you know if we do follow the process that you know we <laughs> yeah. should do follow the process yes. wherever it, wherever it leads us right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I always ask everybody you know put on before we go put on your future hat you know and kind of think over the next couple of years what are those major things that you know, marketers or like everybody should be, you know, paying attention to We're we're coming out maybe, maybe into a post pandemic world. And so there's obviously a lot of that color on it, but you know, what's on your mind to think like, these are the things that I must pay attention to in the next couple of years. I know that's a really great question. I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't see things changing very much. Can I, I mean, just like a few little side notes here, like I grew up in, uh, in digital, I would say, you know, it wasn't really much of a thing when I started college. It's huge now, but like everyone wants to say like, uh, you know, email stinks. Well, you know, email <laughs> is completely overused. I don't mean to laugh. But I also think when it's targeted appropriately, it does work. So, I mean, I don't, I think it's really, I still am a huge believer in the marketing mix. Like you shouldn't just invest in one channel. It's the combination. I mean, one of the big things and two, I feel like I sound like a broken record with all of this stuff, but like video is in my current position, it's so underutilized. But everyone thinks that you need to spend all this money with this high-end production and and create this remarkable sizzle type of video that I used to have the, the luxury of doing working in the agency world. No, you know what? And you can contest to this or attest to this. You can just do a video on, a, on an iPhone. Really, who cares? Like, and I have research to prove that like IT decision makers are like, I don't even care like the production quality. I don't have time to read. Tell me in a, in a minute what you do, what is the value in it and let's be done. I mean, and even like podcasts, like this podcast is awesome because you know, I'm always on the go and like, I don't, I don't always have time to read. So like listening to something and actually we've started doing podcasts and it's something that I think we you know we need to do a better job of we've just started to dabble our toes in it but it's like having those relevant topics that someone can listen to even like background music when you're working like it, it's it, you know it is more around the audible which again these are not new concepts you know and like I get asked this question all the time like what what do I think is going to be the next like golden dollar so to speak when it comes to like marketing but i just think it's like rooted in like the 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 basics we're going back to like, <laughs> like 1950s radio yeah 
Really? I mean, it's I mean that's what it is. <laughs> but it's like, but it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Like, that's no. the thing. Like, I'm actually, so like going back to our website, we've been updating and optimizing it. And I'm like, less, less is more. Yeah. You just like go down three <laughs> levels and delete all of it. <laughs> and I'm like, white space. Does anyone agree with the concept? Like, <laughs> you know, we don't yeah. need to have all this flash. So well, you're I mean, right I about video if- too. Like a video and podcast, I think is fun from a sales perspective. Yeah, totally. And like every B2B, I mean, so many B2B marketers that I've talked to are just things that I've listened to and industry trends are like, if you're not doing a podcast nowadays, you're kind of like left in the dust. And, but I also think that you shouldn't just do it to do it. Like for us, like we put a lot of thought into the topics and make sure we have like a good structure. I just think for us, we need to do a better job of promoting it because just putting it on our website just doesn't really mean anything because I'm not seeing the metrics to support it. So there is a lot of opportunity to do that more and obviously leverage ABM tactics. You know, how can we make sure we're getting it front and center to our buyers, but I mean, I feel like I'm not blowing you away with any really great topics here. I mean, just ideas, no, but good. I think like, again, like, can we just like go back to basics? <laughs> I think that's, that's the interesting thing that is always worth looking at. You're, you're totally right. It's just like humans haven't changed that much, you know, and I think we're getting hung up into, you know, like the, the situations in which we're all working, but fundamentally the psychology of these things isn't that different you know we're all encouraged to look for these like massive shifts and demographics and changes and you're just like yes and no there's still this core thing that we need to do and it's basically just get the message aligned get it out there in the right place and try to get someone to take some kind of action I mean, totally. And it's just also learning too. I think a lot of companies don't test. And unfortunately, I'm a big tester. And like, I say that because I'm in a culture now where I think I still need to do some more convincing that you have to do it. But like, let's try some different things too that we haven't done that might actually work. But let's use the data to support why we should be doing it, you know? So, I mean, it's just so interesting to me that that still can be a foreign concept to many marketers. People going back to direct mail because there is none. Yeah. You know, so it's not saturated. No, no, (laughs) but it's like the combination of different tactic tactics. Like I said, the marketing mix. I mean, actually, in my in my last role, I mean, direct mail worked with certain buyers. So, I mean, it does work, you know, but it's it's the mix and making a very simple message extremely impactful is is huge. Well, that's all, if that's all you have to do, then, uh, you know, no problem. And, oh, yeah, you know, no, well, we're good. We can, so. yeah, we can go out, you know, have our, enjoy our vacations. Right. And I hope you like, have some eggnog with where that. Where are you and, delivering my leads? Where's, you know, you know, this and that. Yeah, so that will always be the struggle, though. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, you know, I'm glad we didn't solve the whole conundrum today. So I know. plenty more to talk about. Yes, for sure. It's like, well, the struggle's real. We'll keep moving forward with it. Yes. <laughs> well, Alexis, you're you're a very positive person. You're you're gonna get this done. I can feel like thank you. you know, I'm gonna like try there, for sure. There is hope in the marketing <laughs> universe. So. Yes. Alexis, thank you so much for hanging out. Really enjoyed it. It was a fun conversation. If anybody wants to reach out to you, how do they do that? Oh, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. My name is Alexis Shagoris, like I've said, and you and I definitely have a presence. You can message me there and I will be back in touch for sure. 
and everybody can check my LinkedIn for all kinds of cool quote blocks and all kinds of stuff from the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out. It was awesome to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.